0: Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging.
1: Welcome to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and once again, I'm joined as ever by Lindy Hewson, the publisher of
0: PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. Lindy, welcome to the show. I'm
2: hearing background ambience. Well, Grant, for just uh, change, to change things up a bit, we're recording live from Food Pro. Uh, by the time this comes out, of course, FoodPro will be over, but we're on the show floor. We've been running our podcast here. Uh, in fact, it's the podcast for Food and Drink Business, which is that we've been running live from the show floor. It's food and Drink Business, as many people know, is PK and Sister Brand. And there are many packaging companies here as well. And Kim and I, Kim Berry, the Food and Drink Business editor, are going to do the July News Unpacked. Welcome, Kim. Great to have you here with me. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Lindy. I'm sorry if I sound a bit croaky. Oh, me? Too. <laughs> there's been a lot of talking. <laughs> there has been a lot of
2: talking because we have so far, if I get my numbers right, Grant, we've recorded 36, is that about 36 podcasts already from the show
1: floor? Uh, 39 if we include the three daily review episodes done mm. so far. And that's not. And then there's all the videos that we've done as well. Yes, and, so, and, and many of those with packaging
2: suppliers. But we will talk about that and on. We're going to start with some of the major news stories, Kim, um, and then – At the end of it all, people can look forward to a little bit of a Food Pro wrap-up that we're going to do because, of course, Food Pro is is one of the big stories this month. So in the beverage uh, category, once again, we are seeing a lot of activity. And two big things that I want to talk about. The first is Aurora. Aurora has launched Helio by Aurora, which is a high-speed digital print-to-can technology. Uh, to bring this to market, Aurora is partnering with Israeli company Velox uh, for digital print technology, and they'll be buying uh, the press and installing the press by next year. But the reason that Aurora is, in fact, launching it this year, already now, is because, as they pointed out to me, they have to have conversations now for, with brand owners who are planning their special summer campaigns. Because mm-hmm. what this digital print technology brings, is allows speed to market, it allows um, short run, and in fact, long run, because it has the capacity for that. Um, those really engaging, beautiful graphics that are digitally printed. The can becomes the canvas um, it, oh, allows I like that. <laughs> for, it allows for variability of print, so you could have um unique Numbers, you know, we've spoken before about those limited edition campaigns that Lion exactly did with its XXX and also brand. a lot of
1: smaller manufacturers, mm. so smaller craft breweries or other other beverage companies. It allows them to really have a lot of fun mm. with, you know, doing shorter runs of special, you know, seasonal products and yeah, it's a very exciting space.
2: So um, this is part of an investment sort of surge from Aurora. Um, One of the things uh, that has also come on stream at the same time to coincide is its new $80 million multi-size can line at its Dandenong facility. Mm. And that um, dovetails with a $30 million can ends capacity that they expanded in their Ballarat facility and Another $85 million line is going to be coming on stream in quarter one of 2025 at its Reefsby, New South Wales facility. So there's a story in here that says cans, the, the growth in aluminium cans, because... For, for very, very many reasons. Convenience, lightweight, aluminium being an infinitely recyclable material. Um, the, the investment in cans is just ongoing. And another driver for it, which will bring us into our next story, is the surging growth in ready-to-drinks, because this mm. is what they're catering for here, mm. ready-to-drinks and other uh, beverages, but ready-to-drinks, RTD as we know it. Mm. What's going on there, Kim? Well, Australia has
1: a Quite a uh, unique relationship with the RTD in terms of where it's really popular. It's been really popular here for a very long time compared to the US or other, you know, the UK or other markets. In fact, Roy Morgan put out its alcohol uh, consumption report this month and it showed that the number of Australian adults, obviously, consuming RTD beverages has almost doubled since 2020. Wow. So investments of the scale of mm. what you're talking about is really, I mean, it just, they support each other in terms of we love them and mm. the investment needs to be there because these companies need to keep up.
2: And then, of course, of course an investment like Aurora's in that um, high-speed digital printing makes it possible for those brands to really engage. They have to compete. There's so mm. many RTDs, as we know, on the market. Um, and so – in. To, to catch the eyeballs on the shelf, to have that variability or the ability to customize their cans and change for seasonal campaigns. That's really important. Now, another company that is also tapping into the surging growth in the ready-to-drinks is Pernod Ricard Winemakers. And they have just uh, launched or um, come on stream with their new high-speed combination can and small-format bottle line. It's the fastest of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere. It's operating at its Roland Flats site in South Australia. And Perno Ricard reckons that Red to Drink will account for 20% of its production volume by 2026. That's huge. Mm. And this, um, by having this line come on stream, which, by the way, they started... Investing in and, and working on the project back in 2019, pre-COVID, and there were all kinds of delays on the line um, and in getting all the equipment in-house. So it's it has been an extended project, but really excited that it is up and running now. This brings the production in-house um, to Pernod Ricard wine. And so they were previously outsourcing, apparently, to about three different contract fillers. So, sorry for those guys, but good for Pernod Ricard. Mm-hmm. They are now catering to uh, the market for the, for the Pacific region. And over 100 different products are going to be filled on this line. Jamison Colas and Sodas and other big brands. Absol- There's an absolute brand. I mean, I can't even go into the whole list here. The project was also funded by um a government grant of 1.2 million dollars and I've noticed that with a lot of these projects it has it really helps to get some of the 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 investment over the line when the government does actually step in to help with that kind of funding. And speaking of government funding, another important announcement made, and they are coming thick and fast from the environment minister, um, is a $60 million boost in funding for hard-to-recycle plastics. Now, this comes, came under the ambit of the Recycling Modernization Fund. Right. Um, and they have now launched a plastics technology sc- stream. Um, and we've known from previous months all the uh the fracas that's been surrounding hard-to-recycle plastics like soft plastics that since the collapse of Red Cycle um, and the conundrum that um, the industry faces. And separately, as an aside, the ACCC has also just given conditional authorization for the supermarket collaboration, the supermarket task force.
1: I saw to, that, yes. Yeah,
2: to continue um, to collaborate uh, on this, to, to continue to try and solve the problem while we wait for recycling um infrastructure to come on stream. So to promote collaboration across the supply chains and to increase recycling and recovery rates of things like soft plastics and other hard-to-recycle plastics, this is why the government has put forward this plastics technology stream, uh, $60 million in funding, which has been really welcomed by the AFGC, as you saw, Kim. Absolutely. Now, just remind me why this is so if we consider the scale of the um industry that the AFGC represents what's the size it's
1: massive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, it's, it's about a $134 billion industry, yes. and that's taking in food, beverage, and grocery. Mm. So all of those brand
2: owners there mm. are really keen. A lot of them are aligned already with the Australian Packaging Covenant organization. They are really keen to be doing things, not just to be seen to be doing things, but to be actually doing <laughs> things, um, to move their sustainability objectives forward, to meet those 2025, to help to meet those 2025 targets that are
1: coming up and and this also ties in with the uh, a more informed consumer and those consumers expecting their their brands and and the products that they like to buy to be doing the right thing and now uh, and also the ACCC's um investigations into greenwashing. Yes. Uh, the draft guidelines for that are actually out at the moment. Yes, I
2: saw that we've published that on your yes. website on our website too, so that's really good news that they're actually sticking to their guns and, and going So this sort
1: it. of, you know, this sort of investment that's coming from government to help these companies you know, really advance along this line it is, well, very timely. Um, and really, I think it'll be really exciting to see what comes from it.
2: Of course, one of the major projects that the AFGC is driving and is behind is the National Plastics Recycling Scheme. And what they're doing, there, trialling it across various uh, states at the moment, um, is curbside collection Uh, of soft plastics, and ultimately to go into advanced recycling. So that is a a process by which, a chemical process by which um, the plastic waste is turned back into oil simply put, mm. um, and then it's remanufactured into new packaging. And Tanya Barton, the CEO of AFGC, said this kind of investment from government is so important because it allows us to fund um, the advanced recycling technology, which, you know, is still a, it's in its infancy. It's just coming to the fore now. Um, and by, in a couple of years' time, we are going to need to have feedstock to support these new plants that are coming mm. on stream. So to back that up, A scheme like the National Plastics Recycling Scheme, which will then allow for efficient collection of soft plastics at curbside, is really going to be helpful. Mm. There's another recycling investment, just linked to that, that I wanted to talk about. um, And that is a really great Australian story. It's a company called Martog. And they have, um, for some time, been manufacturing a product called MarPet. And that is, the pet is P-E-T. And that is a completely recycled PET, um, 99.8% pure recycled and locally recycled here. Now, previous to this, uh, Martog has had to be importing some of the feedstock for that. It doesn't need to do that now because its 40 kiloton plastic recycling plant um, called Circular AU is ready to – it's being commissioned right now and will kick off – with production by quarter three or quarter four. It is the most sophisticated of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere. Now, we spoke just now about advanced recycling. This is mechanical recycling, Kim. Okay. Um, and it is using Australian post-consumer packaging waste as feedstock for Australian recycling at the plant in um at Martag's facility, the Circular AU plant, uh, to do Australian remanufacturing. So there will be companies buying the Marpet pellets. So it all goes back to a little plastic pellet um, and also sheet um, for various productions. And then another interesting thing about this plant um, is in its sorting technology, it has got French um, artificial intelligence uh, in the sorting, which allows... The company the French company is Pelanc, and this AI allows for very accurate sorting and channeling of the right materials into the right place, which really speeds up that process and allows for, for the correct washing and then the repro- recycling into pellet. Right. There's a lot going on in that recycling infrastructure development in our country, and it's going to be an exciting few years in that department. But now let's bring it back to FUPRO <laughs> because here we are. We've had a great 3 days so far this is the beginning of day 4 by the time this podcast comes out of course we'll be further along than that but give me some of your takes kim from the show floor packaging related where possible <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh i think one of the fantastic things has been to have all the various components of of the you know food and beverage manufacturing sector under one roof so including the pla- the packaging companies which i must say i've really enjoyed because normally that's pkn's domain <laughs> so i don't talk to those you know that that crew very mm. much so it's been lovely to meet a lot of them and and have a chat um and i think there's a number of exhibitors who are really showcasing the, their advancements in terms of sustainability measures, mm. and looking at what they can do also in the energy space, uh, talking about that's such a big issue at the moment mm. for a lot of manufacturers, mm. and and what they're doing to you know to really help reduce those costs within people's productions, and I think that. I, it's just very, you know me, like I'm a, like an excited puppy. Mm-hmm. And so I find the whole thing incredibly uh, invigorating. And it, there's just so much promise mm-hmm. that you can see actually on show here. And then also there's a lot of very big shiny machines. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing, uh, not particularly packaging related, but the ingredients section here this year, it's inc- it's it's up by 200% on previous food pros in terms of how many businesses are here. And it's that's a very exciting space, I think, and it's been great to catch up with a lot of them.
2: Well, of course, the, the healthier the ingredients sector, the healthier the new product development sector, then that feeds in downstream and at, yeah. oh, into the packaging uh, sector. Absolutely. So, So from my point of view, what's been really good to see, again, is the beautifully colorful stands of some of the packaging converters that are here. We have Tetra Pak, Uh, I'll start there, Tetra Pak is showcasing a number of things on its stand, but particularly it's Tetra ReCart. Now, you'll remember, Kim, we wrote about... Soup. um, Yes, (laughs) Soup. Brazella, that big brand, was the first to take up the Tetra ReCart packaging uh, here in Australia. And uh, I have heard from Tetra Pak and will soon be announcing who the next uh, brand owner is and going into a completely different category but still in the food space, uh, and that will be coming out next month.
1: Mm, love but,
2: it. But um, they're also they're showcasing a whole bunch of those tetra recarts that are already in in commercial. Um, in commercialization in the overseas markets and different sizes shapes different categories it's it's quite impressive their stand is also very interesting because it's built from the safe board material the construction material that is is converting that is made from converted or recycled uh, tetra pack containers and that is made out of their facility in new south wales and also their are looking at coming on stream in Victoria. I heard yesterday from Tetra Pak MD Boris Munster. They're soon to be opening another safe board recycling facility here. And that's an that's an incredibly positive story. And you can see the stand is built from those boards. So that's quite good. Just close by to Tetra Pak, we, oh, there's Dead Pak. And Dead Pak has got its full range here for what it's doing in the paper based development space for um, fresh produce. And that's a huge category growth area Massive. for paper-based. Yeah. And for some reason, um, and I find this quite interesting, here in Australia, we really as consumers don't trust the supplier as much to um, to cover up. The, we want to see that fresh produce. We want to have a window on it as mm-hmm. such. And that's why plastics up until now has been really uh, the, the preferred material, especially flexible bags for grapes and things like that. But what we're seeing coming on market here um, now is paper-based alternatives. And I think it's very important to point out that there's nothing that is purely paper because every one of these products has to have some small amount of plastic. It's usually in the sealant layer, right? Um, and that creates the barrier. It's very small, so the paper can still be recycled, but it is there. So it is not strictly true to say something is plastic-free. We do need to remember that. One of the hero products, one of the hero products on the dead pack stand is, you'll remember this story, Kim, the Matolo Family Farms... <gasps> potato the bag. the spuds it's yes, the spuds it's the spuds and <laughs> that bag is very attractive great presentation um and they've got variations on the of the theme on the stand and one of the other breakthroughs that they've got there is a big bag um so for char charcoal which gets exported uh to the Norwegian market and apparently in those markets they leave the Bags outside on the pallets. So it's had to have a special water repellent laminate um, right. on, on that. So it's in the varnish, um, which is just amazing technology as well. If you were over on the C stand, that's formerly, formerly sealed air, um, but we now need to know them as SEE,
1: which is C. What did you see there? Haha. It was, uh, look, I had a great time over there. I spoke to quite a number of the team. I did have a wonderful discussion with Anna DiBello, who's one of C's marketing directors for APAC, and she was showing me through their latest digital brand, Prismic, and it was really, uh, it just seemed to open up a whole new realm of packaging and and digital printing for all sizes of businesses, and uh, it's also all in one spot like it's like a portal and so it's it's really they can, you know customers can come into this one digital sort of system and do how many they want to run or if they want to move from a label to an entire package that is um
2: a flexible pouch, most Thank likely. Thank you, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was really interesting. I also spoke with uh, Katarina Lenny, who she's another marketing director for the APAC region. I think Katarina has been with the company for about four days, so I think her baptism of fire was being here at FoodPro. But she was showing me uh, some of the cryovac, Range that's
2: probably one of Sealed Air's biggest or C's biggest brands, Cryovac well-known. And then she
1: had the she was showing me, um, and explaining how the circularity of that product for them. And she had a little jar of the oil and then Mm. she had a little jar of the pellets. And you know, I, I just think that's what everyone's trying to do.
2: So, what she was telling you about there, Kim, is a project that Sealed Air C, um, and a Melbourne based company called APR is, um, Has has under development. APR has advanced recycling a pilot uh, plant um, for that chemical recycling we spoke about before. Mm. And what they've done in their in their project is to take those cryovac bags, which are used for extended shelf life for uh, cuts of meat, Mm. um, and they are recycling those through the advanced recycling system and turning it into that crude oil that then can become plastic, get remanufactured into plastic packaging again. So um also on the show floor, um we've got, as you said, there's some shiny machinery mm-hmm. and we think there are big um machines for packaging, like for example, on the Ulmer stand, there are big machines for packaging meat. Uh, meat's a big part of the show, Kim. I yes. think we can agree on that. Yes. But there have been the occasional um other little critters on the on the show floor. And so f- to comment on this, we're calling in the journalist from Food and Drink Business. Pippa Haupt. Pippa, you were over on the on the Food Mac display. What did you see there?
0: Yes. Hello, Lindy and Kim. Um, yes, I visited the Food Mac display and had a really lovely chat with Phil Biggs from Food Mac, and he was kind enough to show me their instant palletizer in operation. And so the instant palletizer, that's for it's ideally designed for smaller manufacturers and it's it's a smaller palletizer really and it's designed to be really mobile and you know it can basically be picked up on a forklift and put anywhere you need it and um it's also got i think it's got caster wheels so you can move it around a factory floor is that right yes it has i'm yes I'm pretty sure that's correct it has little wheels and yeah, it can be. It's very, very mobile. And it's also very light. I can't remember exactly how much the actual palletizer weighs, but it's very light. So it's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna yeah. be hard to move anywhere. Yeah.
2: And the payload that it can um it can sort of palletize, you know, pack on, I think is about twenty kilograms. Am I right? Yep, eighteen to twenty kilograms. Okay. And so Phil was did he tell you um what how this benefits a food manufacturing plant in terms of labour? Yes, so it fills, it fills a gap in kind of labor shortages and
0: it's also, it's also to do with money because usually getting a palletizer, it's very expensive. Um, automa- automated, automated palletizing Machine, is yeah. very expensive. So this is, as I said, it's for smaller manufacturers. So low barrier to entry. In low other barrier words. to entry and it's also designed, it needs no programming and it also has a touchscreen. <laughs> so it needs no programming and yeah, you roll it in and it can just work.
2: Yeah, so that is really great news, and we, I think, are going to see a little bit more of that kind of um, collaborative robot pr- um, technology coming to the market. It's been around for some time, but the uptake, if you can lower the barrier to entry, and it's not just co-bots you've taken an interest in, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Pippa, you've also seen a
0: side-bot, haven't you? Yes, I'm a, I'm a friend to all robots. Uh, <laughs> yes, Um we have we're very close to our stand. Actually, we have the new sidebot bot Wizzo across the floor from us. And the big appeal about Wizzo also also um, also can be compact, but it's also very 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 safe. Um, it's been designed to have a mechanism where it stops operation when a human gets within about one to one point five meters of it, so completely stops operating. Um, which Feels a great need mm. for greater safety in manufacturing spaces. So people, why is it called a sidebot? It's called a sidebot rather than a cobot, which is what we're really kind of used to hearing about. It's called a sidebot because that's actually a new category. <laughs> it's actually a new category. So it kind of it feels it do, it does do some a lot of things that cobots do, but it also kind of works it, it works alongside people. Um, but it doesn't quite fit into the cobot the cobot category, so henceforth it is a sidebot.
2: And the company who is bringing uh, the, yes, the w- company
0: that's brought Wizzo over is Radial Design, mm-hmm. and they're the one they're the ones who are here on the Food Pro floor um, with Wizzo. Yeah.
2: Well, there's there are many other smaller packaging operation operators as well that are present. It's just been overall a cornucopia. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> of, like that. <laughs> of sights and sounds and all sorts of things, came. I, I believe that the food pro-organisers are really happy with the outcome.
1: They're absolutely thrilled. And day three was their busiest day with the most visitors coming through. And all of the ex- exhibitors that I've spoken to have said that not only the number of Customers coming around or or people coming around to talk to them has been really high. The caliber of those of the visitors to the show have also been really high, and I think that that's sort of testament to it's been a long time between food pros, and so there is a great energy and excitement to come back and actually talk to these companies and look at investments and and you know new projects.
2: Well, what this tells us. Kim, as you've just so rightly pointed out, is that people are so ready and eager to continue to engage on an exhibition floor, Mm. that it's the ideal forum to demonstrate technology and your new products and to press the flesh, Mm, Yes, (laughs) Um, although we do a lot less of that since COVID. (laughs) But... uh, and this b- bodes well for future shows, mm. which will be coming in the coming years, especially here at Jeff Shed at, at the MCEC, yes. because um, it's a great meeting place and it's it's a great city to have a show in. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what's to come. Absolutely. And I think with that, we better wrap it up. Let's
1: do it. <laughs> Well, thank you, Pippa. Thank you, Kim. And thank you, Lindy. And of course, thanks to everyone who's tuned into this uh, rather unusual episode in that it's being recorded live on the uh, exhibition floor at Food Pro 2023, where the hordes are about to start coming in. Yes. So we'd better definitely wrap it up. <laughs> thanks very much for listening. We'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative episode. But until then, have a great day.
0: The PKN podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a
2: Yappa Media Podcast.
0: Southern Skies Media.